What's up, folks? He's a I'm Matt Bassin. Welcome to Straight Shooting. Before we get into our show, got to remind you to like and subscribe anywhere you can find us. That would be Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. Got full episodes on YouTube. <sighs> so, full show today. Got a lot of NFL and Major League Baseball signing news. So, let's get to it, AJ. We're going to start right here in the D. The Lions have added to their offense. They signed DJ Chark away from the Jacksonville Jaguars on a one-year, $10 million deal. Have you looked into this? Can have we, any thoughts on this? Can we take a, a breath for a second? Because <laughs> the last few days in NFL free agency, trades that have happened, MLB free agency, holy cow, like, can we just, like, take a minute to go <laughs> and catch our breath for a second, man? It's been nuts, right? It has been nuts. Like yeah, Lots of names crazy. flying back and forth. Yeah, crazy. Lots of names. You know, this person signs, then this person signs. But going to the DJ uh, Chark, I, I think it's a great signing for the Detroit Lions. It really is. You know, you you've got this situation where you have a need at wide receiver. Mm -hmm. This kind of solves the question of what are they going to do with pick 32? Now we know we don't have to draft a wide receiver, thankfully, because I don't like using that type of uh, draft capital on a wide receiver that's one of the more inconsequential positions mm -hmm. in all of football. Um, so, yeah, signing someone like Chark, not Allen Robinson, right? is is big especially on a one year 10 million dollar prove what you have and if we like it maybe we'll sign you if not go out and get paid and we'll replace you with somebody else um it's just it's nice to now have a third and now potentially fourth weapon because they've got josh reynolds they've got dj chark They've got Hawkinson, who's, you know, a top five tight end in the NFL when he's healthy. Mm -hmm. And the emergence of Amon Ross St. Brown last year was incredible, right? A fifth round pick from Brad Holmes. Hopefully, you know, he can turn into that diamond in the rough that they found. So I I, I love it. It's one of those situations where, like, you, you look at the decision made by Brad Holmes and you go, that was a smart move. That was a crafty move. And I appreciate that because... We're not used to it from the Honolulu Blue. I appreciate it because it stops all the fans from saying, take a wide receiver in the first round. I don't have to listen to that as much. I still have to listen to it because people are still going to go out there and say they want to get London or whoever at the end of the first round. But DJ Chart for one year was phenomenal. Now, there are questions about how tough he is. There's questions about his dedication. Again, follows right into what you said. That's why this is a perfect move for a one-year deal. Prove yourself to not just the Detroit Lions, but to the NFL that you do want to be one of the top 20 wide receivers and that right. you can put in the work and the commitment to be as great as possible. And then you're going to get some team to give you $18, 20000000 million a year on a four-year deal, five-year deal. But for one year, $10 million, it's – if you don't work out, oh, well. Not that big of a deal. If you do work out, you've got yourself paid, and maybe the Lions have found themselves – you know, maybe you're happy in Detroit. 
and maybe the Lions have found themselves a you know wide receiver for now for the and for the next four or five years. And I mean, with it being only a one-year rental, if he lights the world on fire at the beginning of the season, there's no reason why he doesn't get moved for draft capital the following year. Mm-hmm. To me, that's very shrewd, right? Right. There's there's no reason one why he has to finish the season in Detroit unless you know they can't turn him into the type of capital that they want to turn him into but it, it's a very in my mind high ceiling low risk signing mm-hmm. you've already seen what a season looks like without wide receivers <laughs> we had what two last year once we finally got Josh Reynolds mm-hmm. um I mean one and a half Josh Reynolds eventually emerged right. but well, well, yeah, but we didn't get him until after the we claimed well, him. Off but I'm saying even when he came, when he when he eventually came to the Lions, sure. it's not yeah. like he jumped out the gate. You know, all of a sudden he got 85 yards and a touchdown his first game. No, it took a little it time did. getting used to the offense. It did, and you know, I think that him having you know a camaraderie with golf prior to this is going to just help the situation along. But yeah, I mean, DJ Chark, great move, Brad Holmes. Pat on the back, dude. Yeah, great I mean, job. and like I, what we saw for one year at least in Jacksonville is enough for me to think that it can be done again. And for if sure. he can do it in Detroit and he puts up 1,200 yards, you know, 1,300 yards, something like that, it's fantastic year and gets himself paid for the future. And maybe we get to use him as draft capital or maybe he gets to be our wide receiver for the next few years. Maybe. So all around, I think it was a great play, exactly what you said, a high-reward, low-risk play, one mm-hmm. year, prove yourself, and I think he can do it. Uh, l- like you said to start the show, AJ, <laughs> lots of moves going on uh, throughout the NFL over the last uh, day or so. Uh, God, there's so many names, I don't even know where to go. We'll, we'll go to the Las Vegas Raiders. They signed a four-time Pro Bowl pass rusher in Chandler Jones. Mm-hmm. Uh, great move for the Raiders. Chandler Jones, when he's healthy, he's one of the best in the business. Man gets double-digit sacks every year he's healthy. So smooth move by the Raiders, well played. Uh, Chandler Jones going out to – I mean, look, Arizona's a fun city, a fun area. Phoenix is fun, but it ain't got nothing on Vegas. It is not Vegas. He puts up double-digit sacks in Vegas. At least I know that means he went to work. Yeah, I mean, and what's going on in Arizona? That's my question. Like, you have the whole Kyler Murray drama at the beginning of all of this stuff that mm-hmm. seems to have been resolved. Who knows, right? I mean, I'd let Kyler Murray just go cry in a corner somewhere and be like, listen, you just... You time out? <laughs> yeah, I mean, go ahead, little fella. Go to the corner. Cry as much as you want. That's not nice. But you're not moving, like, anywhere because you haven't proved anything. So that's a whole nother thing. But then, you know, Chandler Jones, he's a free agent, tested the waters, obviously didn't get, maybe he didn't get an offer like he got from Vegas from Arizona, but I just think, man, they're going to be hurting next year. Yeah. I'm not going to be the same team that they were. I've always wanted Chandler Jones on the Lions. Don't know why the Pats didn't keep him. Don't know why Arizona's not keeping him. Uh, the numbers speak for themselves when he's healthy and what he can do. Arizona losing defense. They lose an offense. Christian Kirk gone as well. You know, losing one of their better wide receivers. Uh, great, very good slot receiver. And their quarterback is still making waves for the wrong reasons. Definitely turmoil 
out there in uh, Phoenix. <laughs> uh, speaking of quarterbacks, Joe Flacco, did you know he's still playing? I had no idea. I saw that on the run sheet, and I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. Joe Flacco still playing, still playing quarterback, and he's returning to the New York Jets, which is apparently where he was last year, on a one-year deal worth $3.5 million. Uh, the Jets have been involved uh, either by way of letting go of players or gaining new players quite a bit so far throughout this uh, this situation. In fact, they sent uh, a former player in Marcus May. New Orleans Saints agreed to a three-year, $28.5 million deal for him because they lost their free safety, Marcus Williams, to the Baltimore Ravens for $70 million for five years. So Williams got himself paid, and the Saints trying to replace that. He did, and and I had actually seen a rumor that Detroit was in on Williams. Yeah, I saw a bunch of those too. They were trying. They were trying, but apparently he wanted to go to Baltimore more than he wanted to be with uh, Well, I mean, Detroit. The, the man joined a Super Bowl-ready team in sure. the New Orleans Saints. Sure. And that Super Bowl ready team quickly became a semi rebuild because Drew Brees eventually retired and Jameis Winston got hurt last year. So mm-hmm. it was a round, round robin of quarterbacks and not the year the Saints were expecting. And I think, uh, I think Marcus Williams was uh, saying, nah, I don't want to deal with this in Detroit. <laughs> They're in a complete rebuild right now. Let's go to a team that at least makes the playoffs in the Baltimore Ravens. And try and get right. it done there. So let me ask you a question. Were you surprised at the Tennessee Titans releasing Julio Jones? No. No. It, look, Julio, That's like the least shocking thing that I've seen. By wear and tear on the body or just injuries in general, Julio looks like he's hit that cliff. Mm-hmm. And he can't stay on the field. This is one of the best wide receivers when healthy probably top 10 we've ever seen between size, speed, catching ability, power, like Julio Jones is up there. He is. But that ain't Julio Jones anymore. No. I mean, and just like, you know, you saw, I mean, you saw with Tennessee this year when King Henry went down and they brought in a, you know, ADAP Adrian Peterson. That wasn't ADAP anymore. That's not all day. Adrian Peterson. No, that is not. old Adrian Peterson that cannot hit it the way ADAP hit it. Julio Jones looking very much in that same category of well, it happens. Especially eventually. Why pay him when you have someone lining up on the other side of the ball in AJ Brown? It's you well because you need more than one wide receiver. And if Julio was healthy and showed that you need last year more than one wide receiver, but they in a lot of ways seem to profile the same very similarly. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And sure, like a wealth of goods is is a good thing to have, right? So right. so having both of them, if they were both healthy, yeah, that makes you more effective. But, you know, if you th- see the potential in A.J. Brown, you can save the money from Julio Jones and fill other needs, right? Right. So, uh, yeah, least shocking news for me was, was Julio Jones. Uh, more shocking news would be sitting in another quarterback situation uh, just south of you quite a bit north of me because I'm no longer in the D but uh, in Cleveland there seems to be some turmoil as Baker Mayfield out of nowhere you know drops this tweet about the past four years been nothing short of life-changing and 
thank you for you know accepting me and my family and this is god's plan through the process i've given everything i have blah 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 what where how why did this happen i didn't know <laughs> didn't he say something in the tweet that, in cleveland this, like when you have to spell out this tweet has no hidden meaning you have a <laughs> hidden meaning <laughs> like yeah. That's like the worst redirect of all time. I mean, look, if I want Baker to thank him for the last four years. I want to thank him for the last four years. This tweet has no hidden meaning, but it's been great. Thank you so much. But like, come on, man. Like, <laughs> we see the writing on the wall. Get like, don't don't well, right. Do that. So there's actually a respect element here that I hope is what happened. So newer report comes out, and this is very disrespectful, though, by ESPN's Chris Mortensen that the Cleveland Browns, regardless if they get Deshaun Watson, because they are one of the teams rumored to be pushing very hard for Deshaun Watson, but they are saying regardless of if they get Deshaun Watson or not, they don't want Baker Mayfield as their quarterback because they want a quote unquote adult as their quarterback for the future. So if Cleveland went to Baker yesterday and said to him, Baker, thank you for your time. We really appreciated everything you did. You, you know, you got us to the playoffs last year. We were one game shy of winning the AFC North. You know, you had a great year, a bunch of touchdowns, not that many interceptions. We were really hoping you would follow that up this year. You didn't. You regressed in every way, shape, and form. And the team regressed with you. And we don't want, we don't see us winning with you. So we are going to be looking for a new quarterback. If they came out to him and told him that, that is the exact opposite of what so many professional athletes have to deal with when they find out on Twitter that their team is shopping for them. Bobby Wagner. This is the, yeah, exa- Bobby Wagner. Perfect example. So this Get is the, the exact opposite. Blast. Oh yeah. And that's the thing. So this is the exact opposite of that, but maybe they weren't expecting him to immediately go to Twitter <laughs> and release this letter to the city and fans. Yeah. I, I mean, being in education, right? There's nothing I despise more than, well, immature people with social media. <laughs> because, really funny considering the friends that we have. Well, I know, right? <laughs> but at least they stay off of social media for the most part. They just, they just bring it like, Man, oh man, like, I, I got to get it out to my followers. No, you don't. Like, <laughs> just chill. You're not as important as you think you are. So just... He's the Take quarterback of an NFL team. He's on, you know, a bunch of commercials. It's, you know. Sure. But you're still not as important as you think you are, especially when you're putting up the numbers that you're putting up. You were brought in to win. You didn't win. You didn't hit. Well, nobody wins ones. in Cleveland. The only reason LeBron won in Cleveland is because the NBA helped him. The Browns are way worse off than the, than the Cavaliers are. They're way worse off than the Indians are. Uh, no, the Guardians. I'm, oh, sorry. I'm sorry, the Guardians. They can't even win at picking their own names. No, that's terrible. <laughs> they can't even win at picking their own names. But you know what? More power to them. They're in our division, and I'm very glad to be able to make fun of them for what seems like perpetuity because, or in perpetuity because, what an awful name. But anyways, yeah, it's Cleveland. Congratulations, Cleveland. You suck again. I I don't know what to tell you. We might have Cleveland listeners, you know. We I know. Sorry, guys. But out in the Midwest. Take the three and a half hour drive north and come visit us in a good sports city called Detroit. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We, we're, we're the epitome of good sports over the last decade. Let me tell you. 
Hey, but we are a sports city. It doesn't matter. We we are a sports city, and we're on the rebound. I'd much rather be in the position of the Detroit sports fans right now than any of ever any team in Ohio. Really, I mean, it's Ohio. It's the armpit of America. Well, okay, so this is perfect because speaking of a sports city and a city that really hates pretty much the entire state of Ohio, but especially Cleveland, the Pittsburgh Steelers are trying to find a way to move forward without Ben Roethlisberger. Right. So they've decided to sign Mitch Trubisky. To a two-year, fourteen-plus million-dollar deal. Clearly, AJ, the Steelers are not sold on Mason Rudolph taking over for Ben. They Robinson. are not. And I saw a TikTok where somebody simulated the 2022 season with Mitch Trubisky as a Steelers quarterback, and they went three and fourteen or something like that. <laughs> so that's awesome. He's <laughs> not that bad. Sure, like I mean, when he plays the Lions, he's not that bad. <laughs> yeah, well, and they don't play the Lions. Their highest QBR of their career. So I'm just saying, I mean, congrats to them. It was what a two year 14, 14 plus 14.25 million yeah, dollar 14. deal. I mean, look, the man sat behind Josh Allen last year. Sure. Maybe he learned and a few things. You know what? Maybe this is a Jared Goff situation, right? Where it's you're our bridge to our next franchise quarterback. Maybe it is. Don't say that out loud. Jared Goff doesn't know that. He thinks he's going to be the starter in Detroit till his career's done. That doesn't even – I'm not even going to dignify that with the response. <laughs> all right, well, all, the praise, all the praise that I have just given to Brad Holmes, if Jared Goff is signed beyond his two-year contract, the, see, you're well, out. <laughs> I, I, have no, I have no – like, listen, Captain Checkdown can serve a purpose right now, but when we want to win, he ain't going to win. The only reason why he was as successful in L.A. that he was – is he could turn and hand the ball off to Todd Gurley behind a pretty doggone good offensive line that mm-hmm. had a pretty doggone good defense as mm-hmm. well. So it it wasn't Jared Goff. So I feel like there's some Matthew Stafford defending coming out of you. No, absolutely that. not. Listen, Stafford also did not get it done here. Great quarterback had a, a million. He didn't have anything like the, the, that Rams team. No, that the Super Bowl. I mean. The, the closest he got was 14 when our defense was, what, a top five defense? I think it was top seven. Okay, so still. I don't know if had five, but. Still. The only hope. time he ever had a good defense, according to the numbers. Hey, you know what? The Lions get out of Dallas with a victory and not get hosed. Like we should have. Our punter shank that. They have a pretty good opportunity to at least make the Super Bowl. Battle the Packers. Hey, Stafford's record against Aaron Rodgers is not terrible. You don't know. And we know how Rodgers does in NFC Championship games, except for that one time. So, it, I mean, it was fine, right? It's we are But anyway, off track that is the past. we're relitigating the past. All I'm saying is Jared Goff, this Mitchell Trubisky situation seems like it could potentially be another bridge quarterback to a franchise guy. Let me ask you a hypothetical. What if Mason Rudolph beats him for the job in, in practice? I mean, maybe they're bringing him in as competition, right? I I don't know. And, I mean, the quarterback crop next year coming into the draft is going to be a lot better than even this year. So maybe they have him for one year. They draft their quarterback next year, let him learn under or or learn what not to do under Trubisky, and then they send, <laughs> and then, and then send him off to start, you know? So I it's a to me, this is a stopgap situation. It's not really a a word this is our quarterback of the future 
Well, I mean, the Steelers have all the other pieces for the most part to be a good football team. They have weapons to throw to. They have a great running back. Najee Harris is fantastic. Their defense is not bad either. Uh, so all you need right now is a quarterback to at least compete. Mitch Trubisky might be that guy for a year for them. We will absolutely find out. Speaking of scary defenses, I don't know what's going on in Los Angeles, but the Chargers now have one of the scariest secondaries I've ever seen, AJ. They took away cornerback J.C. Jackson from the Patriots on a five-year, $80 million deal for a secondary that already has Derwin James, a do-it-all safety, and a young star corner in Asante Samuel Jr. Mm -hmm. This is a secondary I want no part of when it comes to throwing the football. Did Asante Samuel Sr., who'd he play for? Because uh, I played like, for the Patriots. He played for and now I'm Bulls. now I'm old enough to see his son play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you watched him win a Super Bowl. <sighs> God, man, getting old sucks. Yeah, that's a, even, that's a not even that old, but man, like you're telling me I'm older than you. Yeah, you are. You what are, are you? You're, you're 32? No, oh, I wish 35, man. I have ah. to 70. That's what I keep telling people. <laughs> yeah, I wish you would have been 32 as well because it would have led better into our, our next headline, which would be sorry. Detroit Tigers. Yeah, 32-year-old left-handed reliever, Andrew Chafin. Uh, we've been complaining about MLB free agency. It's yeah. finally starting to heat up. That is, is definitely not the headliner, by the way. Andrew Chafin is a great move for us, for our Tigers. Right. But, uh, not there's that. definitely some bigger names that have been flying through. Yeah, like – Congrats, Tigers. Okay, let's move on. Good signing. <laughs> it is a good signing. Like, truthfully, like, Chapin in the bullpen. I mean, you passed around that picture today where he's literally playing warm-up in a, uh, in a shirt that says failed starter, which Fantastic. is hilarious. And that's the, like, if that is the kind of, like, personality that he's going to bring to the clubhouse, I'm all for it. I just want to produce on the field, right? Um Righties are hitting 196 against him. Lefties 170. So, like, he's been effective. He's been a solid guy. Had a really good year last year. So, I mean, put him in the bullpen. He can come in. Maybe that situational lefty or or use him to to, to get outs when you need him. Hey, I'm all for it, man. It's a good signing. But ain't going to be one that you write home to mama about. No. Right? There are other ones that you would write home to mama about. Yeah, I think especially if your mama's in Colorado. For sure, which what the heck are they doing? My goodness. I, I think I honestly I mean, think, Brian, apparently. Well, yeah, but I honestly think that like their GM sits there and goes, Let's flip a coin. I mean Oh, time to sell Nolan Arenado and pay to have him go to the other team. But you know what? We'll turn around a couple years later when we're not really anywhere close to competing and sign Chris Bryant to a seven-year, $182 million contract. AJ, look. Good for Chris Bryant, but what the heck are the Rockies doing? The Rockies are such an enigma of an organization. They had some phenomenal years. They did. Like, like just where they're just so much fun to watch. And, and look, you're playing up at, you know, up in Denver, you know, a mile high. So balls fly out of the park anyway. But they right. had some offenses, you know, throughout the 2000s that were really enjoyable and they're just fun teams. And then they just had some horrible, horrendous baseball teams as well. Like, there's I will no tell you, up there. I will tell you whether good or bad, that is one heck of a place to catch a baseball game. Oh, I bet. It is gorgeous, Matt. Just we sat down the first baseline when we went, 
and like you got the mountains in the background and the mm-hmm. sunset and like it's just it was perfect just absolutely perfect but can't say the same about the organization they're just no. i i don't know you never know what they're going to do right they're um as somebody that i read today said they are a riddle wrapped in a puzzle stuffed in an enigma like mm-hmm. like just just it's nuts right nobody knows but good for chris bryant he's gonna put up some numbers but well, this is really good for chris bryant i mean we because you and i we were talking we mentioned him specifically when we were talking about arbitration stuff you know a couple shows ago so for a man that was you know kind of you know dragged around by mlb uh you know getting a big contract for a bunch of years in yeah, a, a for him. quite frankly a beautiful great place to live oh yeah and he's going to look fantastic in black, purple, and white, which Rockies just don't ever change those unis. Except for, man, I mean, people are putting the Rockies on blast, like literally scheduling tweets for five years from now when they're like, thought it was a good signing five years ago, huh? Way to pay for him to leave Colorado again. <laughs> like That's not nice. I mean, it's like, I don't know. I mean, you brought it upon yourself, but I mean, yeah. Here's what I find interesting, okay? Mm-hmm. I read this tweet from John Heyman. Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo, Kyle Schwarber, all signed within 24 hours of each other. Mm-hmm. You had Javi Baez into that mix when signing before the lockout. Mm-hmm. Those four have gotten around, I think the number was $483 million. And all uh, of them are see. ex-clubs. Ex-club. Yeah, actually, I didn't see. Uh, what numbers did Rizzo get re-signing with the Yankees? I will, I'll have to look it up. So look because the other guys we have their numbers and stuff. I for some reason am, am missing the numbers on uh on Anthony Rizzo. I will look it up. So let's talk. Uh, I mean Schwarber going to the Phillies. Schwarber went to the Phillies. Signed to the Yankees. Javi obviously came to us. Mm-hmm. Now yeah. Bryant's out in Colorado. Yeah. It. Uh, but oh, half a billion dollars in those four players. That I mean the Cubs weren't going well, to be Cubs, able. Hey. They won a ring. They did their job in, in Chicago. They did do their job, and that was a great night. They were helped by Mother Nature for sure. But I mean, goodness gracious! I uh, can't that, get the breakdown there. Thanks, CBS. That was where but, Cleveland, because of the way was it? It was, it was Cleveland to Chicago. Was it Chicago that had, like, because of how long it took him to get into the series, there were some pitching matchups that absolutely favored Cleveland in the front end of the series, but they had to weather the storm of avoiding Chicago coming back, which Chicago, you know, did <laughs> with a 3-1 yeah. series lead. Yeah, I mean, it it was just everything lined up for the Cubs in 2016, right? Mm-hmm. And it was – it was pretty great to experience that, especially after like our conversations that we've had about growing up and uh, like watching WGM with Harry Carey and Steve Stone in the afternoon and then flipping to TBS and watching the Braves in the evening with uh, Skip Carey and Don Sutton, right? Like it just incredible. So to see them win in 2016, it was them being, I mean, I have a Cubs ball literally right there that's yep. signed by you know their their mid 90s team mark grace is on there who was my favorite player um on those teams and their mid 90s teams yeah that means the professor had already left for, for atlanta yeah he had been in atlanta 
That ball with a lot more money if that man's signature's on it. Well, I mean, Sosa's on there. Um, Sosa would be on there. Scott Service would be on there. Maybe Mickey Morandini. Uh, I mean, it's it's all of them. Jim Riggleman, their manager. Like, just a great, just a great time. Um, I don't see anything on Rizzo's contract detail. Oh, here you go. Thirty-two million two-year contract. Okay. Thirty-two million for Rizzo. Speaking Not, of the our our you know our childhood baseball teams that we watched outside of Detroit, the Cubs five years, eighty-five million dollars to Seiya Suzuki. Hoping that he's the next Shohei Otani, minus the pitching, right? Yeah. I mean, that that's what you're hoping when you sign somebody out of Japan like that. Sometimes it works out. I mean, Ichiro, Hideki uh, Matsusaki. Matsui. Yeah, Matsusaki. I don't know why Matsui. Matsui. Um, and then, you know. No, not the golfer. <laughs> I'm sorry? Not the golfer. You with the Matsuyama? Yes, that's who I was. That must have been who I had in my mind. No, Matsui, and then um, and then Shohei, right? Like, so it, it you're hoping, but we'll see. I mean, I don't, I don't know much about him, but they won the sweepstakes. Yeah, hopefully he enjoys Wrigley Field and the frigid, frigid lake effect wind that comes off the lake in April and May because it gets cold hold at Wrigley well, Field. The, the the Atlanta Braves just rescued a man from the, the windiness of coming off of water in uh, Matt Olson mm-hmm. joining the Braves on an eight-year, $168 million deal to play what position? Well, <laughs> DH, maybe? <laughs> I don't know. Like, he's a first baseman, can also play the outfield a little bit. Don't the Braves already have a first baseman? Not officially, they don't. It's, but they've had one for years. He's been their mainstay. Oh my goodness, I know. But that's the thing, right? About all these clubs, like you look at what they're doing. The the Rocky signing Chris Bryant. They also signed Jose Iglesias to a one year deal. So are they just completely giving up on Trevor Story? Right mm-hmm. now, the Braves like the fit with Matt Olson. They trade for him. It's like a trade in sign, almost like you would see in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Right? They they trade for him. Yeah, I mean, they send they send uh, let's see an outfielder, a catcher, a starting pitch, two starting pitchers, and they're signing him for an eight year, hundred sixty eight million. Right. So, <laughs> if you're a Braves fan, you're kind of like, uh, it was nice, Freddie. Really. I mean, I mean, maybe it was insurance. Maybe they didn't feel comfortable in their talks with Freddie, and they had this on the table, and they're like, "Let's do it." And then if have we to have get, a first baseman, and then if we can get Freddie close to our number, great. But if not, maybe it's time to move on. I, I don't know. I just that I mean, does not send out DH good. Now, so that does not send out good juju <laughs> to try and resign. No, I'm sure Braves Freddie. fans are a little nervous about if Freddie Freeman's coming back. I mean, look. One of the new rules, universal DH. Maybe you talk to Freeman on a two-year deal. You know, you be our DH, you save your body for a little bit, and then you can sign somewhere else if you want. There's no, no way that's happening. Not happening. No, there's no way that's happening because he's he's been in the league since 07, right? So he's been in for 15 years. Mm-hmm. So he's, he's looking for one more. 
he's looking for one more. I gotta look up his five year deal to finish off his career. Yeah, and I would say that like there's no way that he's gonna sign a less than thirty two. He's only thirty two, so he's been in. I mean, he's the same age as the relief pitcher we just signed. You're right. He's only he's the same age as Chafin. He's only thirty two. He's oh, got, he's been with, let me let me correct what I said. He's been with the organization since oh, yeah. 2007, but he's he debuted in 2010. Right. Okay, let me make sure that we're correct. So he debuted in 2010. I was there. 32 years old. That's a risk. If they were like, hey, come back and save your body for two years, then he's signing at 34, hoping to get a long-term, like, you play that game at the end of your career, as right? You get... baseman, hang on. As a first baseman slash DH, you are not putting that much wear and tear on your body into your 40s. You're not You're not an outfielder. You're not a shortstop. Your job is to, and it, with as long and as big as Freddie Freeman is, your job is to have one foot on the bag and catch or dig out the ball. First base takes a lot more wear and tear. You sound like Brad Pitt in Moneyball. It ain't that hard. It's incredibly hard. It's incredibly hard. <laughs> That's what you sound like, right? Well, like, compared to other positions where – here's the thing. He was talking about learning first base. Freddie Freeman knows how to play first base. No, I I, I understand. I just had to go for the low-hanging fruit and, yep. and call that out. But He's got to hit me with Ron Washington. <laughs> it just – to me, interesting enough, who's his infield coach in Atlanta? Ron Washington. But mm-hmm. anyway, um, yeah, I just – if I'm a Braves fan, I'm like, well, Freddie, I guess the writing's on the wall. It was nice while it lasted, but I just I don't see how they I don't see how they sign him to a five year deal. I mean, they've got money locked up in Acuna because they signed him like to an extension early and like basically bought out his arbitration years. I mean, they got Eddie Rosario on the cheap, two years, eighteen mil just recently. I mean, that's a, that's another. I mean, we talked about that a long time ago when they were making that playoff run. That was a huge, huge signing, huge signing for them, or, or a huge transaction for them last season. Mm-hmm. But now a very big and good. I mean, Rosario's a nice player. Yeah, for, got him for nine million. I mean, nine million a year. That's I mean, a great know, signing. And I mean, might but, be able to. I mean. Compared to what other people are getting for their numbers, I mean, look. Speaking of hitters, Nelson Cruz, Washington Nationals, one year, fifteen right. million dollar deal, forty three years old. Yeah, see, exactly. Tell me, do Freddie, you know Freddie can be doing this in eleven years. Do you know what I'm thankful for? I don't have to see Nelson Cruz in a Twins <laughs> uniform and pitch to him anymore. For crying out loud, that man! I don't know what it is about when he played for Texas, when he played for the Twins. Every time he's in Comerica Park or we're playing them, it's like, my goodness. I think there's a few teams that feel that way about Nelson Cruz. And it was the same. It used to be the same way with Mike Napoli, too. Remember him from the Red Sox? He killed Mm -hmm. us in game three of the 2013 ALCS. And after that, I was like, you know what? We should just sign him next year so we don't have to play against him. Because, man, oh, man. That's He's what we did with Javi Baez. <laughs> no, he was not a tiger killer. <laughs> Cruz is a legitimate tiger slayer. If you can't beat him, sign him so you don't have to try and beat him. According to Chris Illich, 
He wanted to sign this man. And all the times we played him when he was a Cub, he was like, God, I just want to sign this guy. So I don't have to play this guy. That's what Chris Illich said anyway. Are you making that up? Or did he no. really say that? <laughs> I swear, that's what I read. I'm not talking about Chris Illich tonight. I, I, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. Not tonight. We don't want to go one show without doing that. <laughs> but I don't know if I'm going to be able to. So let's move on as quickly as we can. No, absolutely. It's bubbling. It's bubbling. And I'm about to just start spitting. All right, AJ. I want to do a, I want to do a little word association with you. All right. That sounds good. Let's do right, it. I'm going to name a few players. And you tell me what comes to mind with the group. this group of players. LeBron right. James, Kyrie okay. Irving, okay. Kevin Durant, Got it. Jason Tatum, and Carl Anthony Towns. Well, they're all pretty good basketball players. I know that. Mm-hmm. It's so good, in fact, that um, didn't every one of them score at least 50 points in the last like week or something? Yep, about last week and a half. Seven different players, at least 50. LeBron got it started with 50. Kyrie followed him up immediately with 50. KD dropped 53. Tatum, 54. LeBron said, I can top that, 56. Carl Anthony Towns said, I can top that with 60 and 32 in the third quarter. And Kyrie said, well, how about I drop 60 in just 35 minutes of playing time? Unbelievable. I mean, What is happening to basketball? Like, seriously, what is going on? Like, are the rims bigger? Nope. Rims the are not bigger. Smaller? The 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 uh, the rules have have changed and been laxed in certain areas. The right. fouling has gotten, you know, the offensive fouling at least, you know, has, has gotten uh, called a little bit more, which is nice. They're not going. They're not doing the whole. You know, this is the first year since James Harden exploited the rule, and everyone else in the NBA followed suit. Of uh, if I make it look like I'm even remotely, kind of, sort of, not really shooting the ball while jumping into a player. I'm going to get a call for it. Not anymore. They're still, they're still not calling traveling. <laughs> so these guys can take seven steps to get their move off. Who was it the other week? Was it, was it, uh, was it, um, Curry's brother, Seth Curry? Was it him that got like an outlet pass and went like doop, 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 doop? And then started dribbling? I see it, it at least like, three times a game without a call from everybody. Oh my goodness. I mean, he caught the ball like outside the three-point wing nearly was at half court before he put the ball down and everybody, I think they were playing against Milwaukee and everybody in Milwaukee state was like, that's traveling. Like what is going on here? But that's the thing, right? That's what I I guess I was kind of getting at with that question is the the evolution of the game has changed from when we grew up watching with like the bad boys, right? I was way too young for the bad boys, but I knew of them. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, my team work. was my team was the going to work, you know, 04 Pistons. And I mean, they were defensive specialists, put you on lock. I mean, your Lakers felt that pretty heavily in, in game five of that. Yep. One of the that, one of the best sports related, you know, cardboard, you know, signs I've ever seen was in that finals. A full house beats a pair. And it right. absolutely did. Because and it did. At a full house and the and the Lakers had Shaq and Kobe and nobody else. One player. Besides Shaq and Kobe scored in double digits in that finals. One. And it was Slava Medvedenko in game five when the series was already over. And that's what's interesting to me about this kind of new NBA mm-hmm. in a way, right? Is there's 
scoring numbers have ballooned. Just ballooned. Just entirely ballooned because nobody's really playing defense well, anymore. The way the offenses are, you're, if you're going to play defense, you better have all five guys or four and leave the center near the free throw line at the perimeter. And you because have to, right? Because the play is now. The play isn't – look, when I was little – You don't get to the lane and dish out. You just step back and mm-hmm. then step back farther and then mm-hmm. step back farther. Mm-hmm. It's insane the range that some of these shooters have. I watch them, and I'm just, like, in awe of who, like, they're, they're just able to hit from anywhere on the court with ease. I mean, we've all seen the video of Steph Curry warming up, right? The mm-hmm. Free throw one-legged, then he steps back, hits that one. Nothing but net. Like, hit the net in the same spot almost every time. It's incredible. And it's a thing of beauty to watch, for sure. It just... I like a good defensive team. I would like action to be closer to the hoop again. Sure. You want to blow a modern NBA player uh, fan's mind? Show them the Celtics and Lakers in 1984 in the finals. It is nothing but getting as close as possible to the basket before right. taking a shot. Every once in a while, there's an outside shot. But it is literally getting as close as you can. No matter how many guys are there to fight you, it's getting as close as you can before putting up a shot. And it's – I hate to be like that guy that's like, oh, get off my lawn, right? But having coached youth basketball for a number of years when I lived in Texas – this evolution is not good for youth basketball (laughs) because every player that is not Steph Curry thinks that they're Steph Curry. Mm -hmm. And so they just chuck it from anywhere. (laughs) And you almost have to go back to the Hoosiers and be like five passes and then you can shoot. (laughs) It's, 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 a it's kind of, you know, it bleeds wow. down, right? They see what is happening on TV. They think that they have to, they think that they can go out and just throw up shots and they're going to go in like Steph does, not understanding that there is very specific work and repeatability with his shot that makes him the best shooter of all time, right? Mm-hmm. And so I, I just, it's dangerous, but I mean, they'll learn. And I, they would look at that 1984 film and they'd be like, this is boring. <laughs> this is not exciting, right? I don't understand what a giant game of horse is exciting to watch. <laughs> right. Because that's all I see when the guys go running up and down the floor and all they're doing is jacking up threes. You don't want me as your basketball coach, AJ. If I'm your basketball coach, I am not letting anybody shoot from the three-point line until they have proven to me that they know how to drive to the basket, how they know how to do a post move. And if anyone does a three before I'm satisfied with their down low work, they're running suicides. Yeah. So whatever uh, they're called now, apparently we can't call them that. Good luck with that coach Basson. (laughs) Very, very quickly. Oh, that ain't going to, that ain't going to fly, especially with the helicopter parents. They're like, my kid shoots like Steph. Yeah, uh, sure. He does. Yeah. No, maybe if Steph were blindfolded and shooting left-handed backwards, but no, it, he doesn't. All right, AJ, we are winding down on the show, but we got one more thing we got to tell the people because as mm-hmm. of this recording, the game is tomorrow. This will be out before the game tips off at 12.15 Eastern time. It is the first game of the first round. They stopped calling it the second round, thank God. <laughs> 
the real yeah. first round of the NCAA tournament after the first four, Michigan Wolverines, the Colorado State Rams, and now the Michigan Wolverines are going to be without starting guard Devontae Jones. Now, you're a Michigan Wolverines fan, so you should know a little more than I do about this man being a Michigan State Spartan fan. But I do remember this man at Coastal Carolina, and this is heartbreaking for any basketball fan. Yeah, uh, concussion suffered in practice is the reason, correct, mm -hmm. if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Um, but we talked last week about the matchups, right, with Colorado State a little bit, uh, or last, not last week, but last episode, I'm sorry, about the matchups, right? Right. Um, and so this really puts those matchups – in a bit of a predicament because mm -hmm. yeah, we still match up size wise. Right. Fine. You still got the download advantage. No question about it. But as you know, your throwing stones episode that aired uh, today, you guys mentioned Isaiah Stevens, who yep. was supposed to be. He's their second guy. The guy that. Right yeah. And so like that makes me a little bit nervous because if I remember correctly from watching that show, isn't Stevens like boom, 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 yep. like lightning quick, quick, fast, get to the bucket if he needs to. Yep. Who's going to keep up with him at that point? It was going to so, be Devontae Jones. It was supposed it, to be Devontae Jones. It, it it puts tomorrow at 12.15 in a little bit of a – I go back to what I said last, last episode, flipping that coin with Michigan. I right. hope well, that they get out of this first round, as it should be called. But this makes that a little bit more scary. Right. Again, Hunter Dickinson, Hunter Dickinson has the absolute advantage down low. They don't have the bodies to bang with him. And the second second chance points should absolutely be there. But when it comes to guarding Isaiah Stevens, it was going to be Devontae Jones. And now they're going to have to do a round robin of true freshman Frankie Collins, who has appeared in 28 games for them and hasn't played too much. You got Eli Brooks, your shooting guard. And there's Terrence Williams the second as well for an extra body to throw in there um, if they want to. But it's definitely this is a blow to the Michigan Wolverines because he this could be this could be a difference maker. I hope it's not. You know, Michigan is still expected to win, and I think the second chance points will you know be the difference maker. The rebounds will be the difference maker. But if it's not, this is something that we're going to look back on and say, you know, what if? And I'll feel really bad for Devontae Jones because this is a guy. Graduate transfer, never got to the dance with Coastal Carolina, chose Ann Arbor to, A, go to a great school. As much as I hate you guys, I will never say otherwise about the University of Michigan. You're just did your stomach just turned when you said that? <laughs> did you throw up a little bit in your mouth? No, 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 no. I I, I don't have a problem, in, you know, university-wise, academics, no problem. But to go to a school like this with a chance to play for Jawan Howard, sure. and, a and he got to do that, obviously, but the chance to go – be a part of this dance and to have this concussion be the reason that you don't get to play. And if your team doesn't get to the second round, then you were just there as a spectator. That's just soul crushing. I feel terrible for the man. If that's the case, I hope it's not. I hope Michigan wins tomorrow. If only so that Devonte Jones gets a chance to play in the second week, in the second, in the, sorry, in the second round. My question is what are you doing two days before your tournament game? That's going to leave one of your starters with a concussion in practice. Well, I don't. I didn't see an exact date of when this happened. There's rumors that it happened during the Big Ten tournament practice, 
at, like afterwards, I don't, it, I'm not certain when this happened, but you know, I mean, have you ever watched video of Izzo's practices? No. Those boys go hard. Oh, I'm sure you go hard in practice for sure. And it, it honestly, it I mean, I asked that question tongue in cheek because Michael Jordan a, punched Steve Kerr in the face in practice. It's a fluke thing, right? Like I get that. I just am like, who? Like you said, I hope this doesn't come back to bite them. But you know what? If it does, I hate to say it, but it would be par for the course for this season for Michigan basketball. Well, maybe not because they lost their last game, and the, lately the way this thing's have been working for them, they follow up a loss with a win, then they follow up that win with a loss. So hopefully this is the win and he gets the chance to play on the weekend. <laughs> They've had a lot of time off since then, and we know that rest is rust, so – well, both schools are doing that at least. So uh, I guess they still got a good chance. Colorado State. So what you're telling me is it could be a really ugly beginning to the 12-15 tip. Nah, I don't think, so. I think this could be uh this should be one of the better games, I think, on Thursday. I don't know why they're starting with it. I don't know why you don't start with a one sixteen where the spread's twenty-eight points and you're not expecting a game. This is a one and a half point spread. You're expecting a basketball game. Why are we starting with this when people are most people are still working? Uh, because everybody's gonna be streaming this at work tomorrow. Uh, this is also very, very true. You know that. Right. I mean, truthfully, Thursday and Friday of March Madness opening weekend should be national holidays that everybody has off. I completely concur with that statement. All the bosses out there, you heard it here. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> All right, folks. We appreciate you all being with us again tonight. He's AJ Riley. I'm Matt Basson. We're straight shooting. Don't forget to follow us, like us, subscribe, any place you can find us. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, YouTube. We got another one of these coming up in a few days. So we appreciate you guys being with us tonight and we'll see you guys next time.